Welcome to My Autism Tribe, a community of advocates that are linked by autism but bound by strength. This is a time to find our sounding board and shoulders that help us carry life's load without the fear of criticism. We give and receive. We nurture and empower. I'm your host, Susan Scott. For children with autism or other developmental disabilities, a service dog can make all the difference. They can be trained in a variety of tasks that address a range of issues facing a child with autism and the family. These include socialization, behavioral and life skills, and fine and gross motor skills. A service dog can rest his head on a child's lap to calm or interrupt unwanted behavior, flip on a light switch if the child has a fear of the dark, press against the child to give the sensation of pressure, and even communicate with parents by barking when the dog senses the child needs assistance. Today, we're speaking with two autism moms that know firsthand how service dogs can help children who deal with developmental challenges or social anxieties. More recently, Carrie Jordan and Aaron Huff created Autism Tales with the mission to provide information, some hope, and a better understanding of living with autism in these furry bundles of love. Hi, girls. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's so nice to have you. We are so glad to be here. Thank you, Susan, for having us. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm so excited for you guys to share your story. Carrie, I'll start with you. How did you girls meet? <laughs> I'm happy to, happy to lead off. Uh, it's a funny story, actually. Um, we've only actually met in person one time, and that was fairly recently. But we've been friends for, uh, gosh, year and a half or more and how we met was through our service dog provider and I was looking for a dog for my son Jack and so I'm the mom of Jack and Mac my friend Erin is the mom of Moose and Bruce <laughs> that's so cute all of us on Instagram that's who we are <laughs> and I was looking at getting a service dog for Jack and had had a prescription and had um, researched different providers and had located the one that we actually ultimately used, which is loyalty services, service dogs. Mm -hmm. And I asked the owner of loyalty service dogs for a reference and wanted to talk to another family who had gotten a dog from them and also who had autism. And they introduced me to Aaron and we just hit it off instantly on the phone, and I felt like I had found a kindred spirit, as you do with many autism moms, sure. and learned so much about the dog, and she kind of kept in touch with us as we were getting Mackenzie, and we have been friends ever since, really. And then about uh, eight months ago, we started Autism Tales. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So now, Aaron, I know that you guys are both. So, Carrie, you're located in Texas and Aaron, you're located in Kentucky, which is where I'm located, which I'm super excited about. It's so interesting that autism brings so many people together and we're all kind of, I always say, like linked by autism, but bound by strength. And I really feel like a lot of these things, such as the podcast, have brought us really together in such positive ways. It's so powerful. And I just... I agree. Yeah. I agree completely. I mean, Erin, when we got together even a few weeks ago, and it was the first time that we had actually all met in person. And we both talked about it afterwards, about how hard, how full our hearts were and, mm-hmm. and how the bond. It was just almost unexplainable. 
Right, Erin? Definitely. It's an amazing feeling to have that kindred spirit when you're in the day-to-day trenches of, you know, trying to do best by your child. Sure. Well, and Carrie, so your family, you're located in Texas, and can you share a little bit about Jack, as much or as little as you want to, but just kind of how you guys kind of started the process of service dogs or knew that that was a, a path that you wanted to go on? Sure, sure, happy to. And um, and more detail is on our blog if anybody's interested. But, you know, looking back, I think we had signs of Jackson um, having some difficulties back to when he was an infant. You know, and if, if I knew then what I knew now, um, mm-hmm. I think I would have cut it much earlier. But in second grade is when the wheels really fell off and we realized that he had severe sensory challenges, especially with his vision and some other things that were impacting his ability to interact with the world as he needed to, especially at school. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, he wasn't diagnosed until fourth grade. Um, And he's always been in a mainstream school, and he is at a private boys' school that we absolutely love. And in fourth grade, that's when the kids start to realize that other kids are different, and they're also trying to figure out where they fit themselves in in the pecking order, in the social pecking order. And because of that, that's kind of when bullying Mm. starts. And Jack was experiencing that and having some trouble at school with boys and you know, just not handling it well. It was just a very, very difficult year. But we loved the school, and we felt like the school was a great place for him. And I happened to see a video on Good Morning America, of all places, mm-hmm. of a mom, an autism mom, getting a service dog for her son, who was, I think, about five, and he was nonverbal. And watching... Um, him come and immediately meeting the dog and interacting with the dog and becoming kind of just alive in a different way and mm. the mother just being just so touched you guys might remember the video yes I do and I and I thought oh my gosh if that dog can do that for this little boy what can he do for my little boy and my boy needed a a best friend you know he needed to belong and he and so I went to his doctor and I said hey this is what I want to do what do you think I want to get him a service dog what do you think and she's a big dog nut thank goodness and she said I think that's brilliant yes we should do that and so she researched how to get the prescription she wrote the prescription for it and then um, I started looking and ultimately connected with Aaron (laughs) wow that's awesome. And so, Erin, you have a little girl that is just cute as a button. Um, again, you can go to autismtales.net and see these cute little pictures. Um, and she goes by the nickname of Moose, which I think is absolutely adorable. It's a nickname she gave herself. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Okay, so our situation is completely different. She's not high-functioning. She's <laughs> moderately functioning. She was basically nonverbal as far as effective communication goes. She had words. But Moo was always attached to the end of her real name. Mm-hmm. And one day she said Mooster about herself and she wanted a muffin. And so she said Mooster Muffin. Those are the two words she ever, like, her first words she strung together. Um, and so from there on out, she went by Mooster Muffin or Moose or Moo. Basically, everybody calls her that. That's so cute. So, how did so when she get diagnosed? Erin, when was she diagnosed? So, she was five. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess recently turned five. And our situation was a little strange because we knew 
something was off. She really couldn't speak. At the same time, my dad got sick, and we were really focused on that for a little over a year. And it pushed everything back as far as getting her evaluated, getting her help. Um, after he died, it was just so obvious that like something had to happen. Sure. So we started pursuing that. Um, she got her diagnosis, and things were still really, really rough for a few years. She used to public school for a while. Um, before we pulled her to homeschool. That mm-hmm. situation so bad. And at some point, we were like, okay, let's pursue the service dog thing. We had kind of briefly discussed it before. She is drawn to animals, and animals are drawn to her. Sure. And I actually really remember the moment where I was like, okay, we're going to do this. Because I had left her at home for a long weekend trip to take my son um, to Disney World for his 10th birthday. Mm-hmm. And leaving her was just awful because I felt like I was the only person who could, that I trusted myself or trusted her with. Right. Um, and it's okay. you, you know, you know her meltdowns, you know her triggers. Yes. Sure. Not that I didn't trust my husband, but I knew her inside and out. It's, you know, a mother thing. It was so hard. In the airplane on the way back, we had gotten some diverted because of a storm I'm from Atlanta and we're circling. And I'm trying to keep myself calm. And I'm, like, reading through the magazines that they have in the airplanes or whatever they are. It was about a service dog. And we had been talking about it for a while. And I was like, okay, like, I just need to move forward with this. And that was early March. And as soon as I got home, I, like, hit it hardcore looking for a provider. Mm-hmm. And within six weeks, we were masked. I, I'm a researcher by nature, and I read everything to death, and I will spend Me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'll stay up all night reading things. Um, so I found the perfect, you know, service dog organization in my mind, you know, and I read for weeks without, you know, a break whenever I could. And I found loyalty, and from there... The rest is um, history. So by mid-April, she was matched with me. Wow. So that was a pretty quick turnaround. It, it was. Well, and Jack was, too. I think I talked to his doctor in either May or June, and we were matched with Mackenzie at the 1st of August. Wow. So I think something that we both loved about loyalty and every single family has to, like, pick what's right for them. But for me, I really liked that they were training a dog specifically for Bruce, and I knew that it could fall through. If they get through it, and they saw that this dog is not service dog material, they could have to start over with a different dog. But they pick a dog based on, like, temperament characteristics for your child that will match their diagnosis mm-hmm. and just different things about them. And I love that. Me too. Bruce is so perfect for her. If you ever meet her, you're like, oh my gosh, they're the perfect team. And I felt the same about Jack and Max when we, you know, they're just soulmates. They are. They're soulmates. I mean, they really are. Uh, When I was researching uh, service dogs that I think would be kind of interesting possibly for listeners is, you know, there, there are lots of ways, or not lots, but several ways in which you can get a service dog, um, one of which that I think neither Aaron or I would recommend is training one yourself. Sure. Unless you're a professional dog trainer, this is something I, that we both feel is kind of beyond you. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because definitely uh, us. Definitely beyond me, yes. We my, my little... have like, really rotten pet dogs at home. <laughs> we do, that's right. <laughs> We both have doxies at home, little dachshunds, and they are bad influences on the service dog. <laughs> <they're so> <laughs> but I have 
Because we have people ask us, you know, oh, we want to, we're going to be training on ourselves. What are your recommendations? And I think, honestly, our first recommendation is don't do it unless you're a professional. Sure. Um, and then another way to do them is to have a dog that you've selected then because maybe they have a wonderful bond with your child or something like that, and then have them trained by a professional. And I don't know as much about that method. It seems to me that it might be a good choice if the dog is really that bonded to the child. But the problem would be is what if that dog is not suitable for being a service dog? Right. Because it really takes a different kind of dog to be a service dog. And there are primary... Well, like I have a dog very bonded from this. She always has been. But she's a dachshund, and she is about as bad of a dog as you could ever see as far as, like, she's really rotten. And I remember always seeing that when she she would have a meltdown, her dog Jasmine would be right there. And it was like she wanted to help, but she's not really trainable in that thing. Um, because the service dog has to be trained beyond doing anything that they want to do. They have to be able to put the whole world out of their mind and focus on their person and whatever their tasks are all the time. Um, even when Bruce is having free time, he's having fun at home, he has to be in tune with her to where he can switch that off and go right back. That's so sweet. Exactly. And then, How do you pick a dog like that? I can't do it. Some people can, I guess. Well, and there are certain breeds, I think, that you see a lot. Like, you see a lot of of labs, a lot of golden retrievers, you know. And I don't think that that's a mere coincidence. standard poodles and and doodle mixes. And doodles. Those are the ones you see. Yeah. And I don't think there's that's a coincidence. I mean, those breeds are, are known for being just really, like, gentle, intelligent breeds. I was just going to say, you can look at those organizations. There's organizations that provide dogs. And, you know, one that I know about is Autism Service Dogs of America. That's one that we were exploring before I found loyalty. And Autism Service Dogs of America seemed wonderful. Um, but there were lots of requirements with respect to I'm just describing this just because you need to be aware if you're looking for a dog. Mm -hmm. It was going to take two years to get a dog. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be fifth grade and sixth grade. And fourth grade was pretty miserable. (laughs) So two years seems like a long time. Um, Sometimes they'll have training requirements where you have to go back to them on a yearly basis. Completely get it and understand that. But, you know, if if it's a, a if you're a family that that's seven states away, you know, that can be an issue. Um, And then there's some training organizations that really train the dog out of the dog, the service dog, um, where they they work all the time and they don't get off time. And you just heard Mackenzie probably barking outside of my little doxies and playing with them. I wanted her to still have a life as a dog and be happy. And Mm -hmm. some organizations don't have that philosophy. Erin, I mean, don't you agree? That actually was my number one reason for going loyalty. I love, I spoke to her and I just like, I fell in love with Marty, the owner, because she has such passion about it and she is so good at what she does, but she definitely believes that the dog should still be a dog Yeah. and that, you know, it's still a being with free will. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they may still be a dog. And that's great because Bruce has um, three dog siblings, and he loves playing with them. And he is the biggest goofball you could ever meet. <laughs> but then in public, he is perfect gentleman. And everybody's like, wow, look at him. He's so great. But um, and I'll have people come up to me and say, when we're out, what's interesting is when you're out in public with a service dog, you are no longer anonymous. 
everybody notices you and it's either a, a really, oh, isn't she cute? Can I pet her? No, <laughs> you can't. Or it's a, oh gosh, I feel so sorry for you know, service dogs. They have to work all the time. Sure. <laughs> you know, or, or all these stupid especially emotional support dogs. It's all a bunch of bull, don't you think? So you get all these interesting responses. But the one that makes me sad is when I really hear them say, oh, this must be such a hard life for her. And I, I no, she has a very full life. And it's oh, she yeah. does get to be a dog. And, yes, she works. The minute you put her vest on Mackenzie, she knows she's working. It's like, but okay. They- Right? If a dog is chosen correctly, they love that work. I was yes, going to say the same thing. excited to see his best. He loves it. It brings him fulfillment, just like somebody who gets fulfillment out of their career. Bruce loves it. He would be bored out of his mind if all he was was a pet. Because so if you think are... about it, the, I mean, dogs, they, they're people pleasers. Like, they, mm-hmm. they want you to be proud of them. And how yes. fulfilled are they when they, especially to help a child? Yes, you know? absolutely. And and it's so funny. Um, when we pick Mackenzie up at school with Jack, they get in the car and uh, we have a treat for her right when she gets in. And she gets in and goes, you look for her treat. And then she just is so proudly like, look what I did all day. He's, <laughs> He's still okay. We all did okay. <laughs> He's alive. <laughs> I brought him back to and you. What's so, what's so funny is I have to share one kind of point because a lot of questions we get are you know what has the dog done for your child so I don't mean anyway so when she gets in you can see she's so proud and I one of the reasons I think she is is because before we got her Jack would have anywhere from four to five meltdowns a year at school Mm -hmm. and that doesn't sound like a lot but his meltdown would send him into the reptilian fight or flight and he's a fight he's not a flight Mm -hmm. Moose is more of a flight like she'll run he fights, and whoever was is around at that last, you know, the last straw on that camel's back before the meltdown yeah. gets punched or hit, and it's a flailing, like, very, you know, typical autistic, sure. but nonetheless, it's violent outward as opposed to inward, or he doesn't fly. So, when we got Mackenzie, he, we've had her a year, he has had exactly zero wow. meltdowns at school. And zero. The- so, we- isn't that amazing? That and is. I think that's part of her feeling so prideful. Like when she gets in the car, she's like, ha I, I did it again. <laughs> well, and, and she, she probably has allowed him to really bond with his peers in a way that wasn't happening at all. She's probably getting a ton of attention. She has to love that. She's timid. Like she, it, 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 well, I think she enjoys being at school, but she's timid. So she's just kind of naturally timid, mm-hmm. and so she's much more of the service dog that doesn't want to be looked at or played with. Like okay. Bruce, I think enjoys people, but Mackenzie's more of a, you know, hey, I'm working here. Don't bug me. Um, and however, now that she's been there for a while, she has a few of the boys that she really enjoys, and she'll actually even curl up under their desk at school, Aww. which makes them also happy. And I think that she, you know, she gets to play outside. She gets to be with her boy all day. You know, it's it's a it's a nice life. And then she comes home and she takes off her vest and she runs around with her doxy brothers. And you know, she has a great time. That's so cool. Can I um, share a funny story about Mackenzie? Of course. Our- oh, of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> we met for lunch, and it was great because her and Bruce they knew each other because they overlapped a little bit. Um, Bruce is suck up. When he was in training, he loved to train, loved it. He was so young when he was placed because he lived for training. He loved for being told he was a good boy, and they would use him 
as like a role model for younger trainees. So I had asked at one point, I was like, do McKinsey and Bruce know each other? And she was like, yeah, you know, they had met some because, you know, generally we don't keep them together, but Bruce and McKinsey had met because Bruce would be like, here is who you should be. So they actually... <laughs> he was the model. He was the model. Oh, right? such a good boy. Other dogs in public. And from across the street, they spotted each other and they were like, hey, I know you. This is so fun. So the whole time under the table, they would like look at each other, sniff each other. We get to a park and I was behind them because I had parked further away. And we get there and you can see this blonde lab had rolled in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> How fun. And I think it's so cool they remembered each other. They really did. That's awesome. I really think they did. And it was so wonderful to see them play. And then they got the kids involved. And the kids really needed it that day. I think they needed to feel part of their bond. It was it was wonderful. It was the one and only time we've gotten together. And we'll do it again. I wonder if, Definitely. you know how we get each other? We're autism moms. It's like, oh, I get you. I wonder if they get each other. <laughs> you know? I, I think they have to. Yeah. I think so. I think so. And if you take a service dog who's a real service dog out in public and they see, like, these fakes who are, like, barking at them and acting like morons. Right. I feel like Bruce is rolling his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) That's so immature. (laughs) He's like, hey, like, you're one of me. Okay, this is great. Yeah. I think that's right. You know, I read a book. I forgot. It's something and Gus is in the title and it's told from the service dog's perspective and it's a, a story of uh, service dog puppies growing up in their mother's service dogs and they're growing up kind of in this training organization and they talk about when they're going to get their boy or when they're going to get their girl and what a wonderful and honorable you know way to have a life and they just know this and every time I see Bruce and Mackenzie especially when I saw them together I'm like that is so Gus I mean, that is so the, so the truth Oh, well, so how, um, you know, since we're, we're kind of running out of time, I want to be cognizant of your all's time. What led you guys to create autism tales? So you met each other, you were fast friends, and you both had service dogs, amazing kiddos. And then who mentioned or how did it come about? You know what, we should do something more. That was scary. (laughs) (laughs) well I was I was just I had a lot of people on Facebook when we were getting the dog asking me questions and even in my own friend group you know had no idea that there was such a thing called an autism service dog and it dawned on me that you know we could help others by telling our stories and so I called Aaron and I said Aaron I've got this crazy idea. Are you in? And of course, in true Erin fashion, she said, "Yes, I'm in. I'm totally in." <laughs> and you know, it, took, it took us about you know six months because we have other lives too uh, mm-hmm. to get it off off the ground. And we had a logo designed, and that was kind of our first step. And we started posting last October and um, doing Instagram and things like that. And the coolest thing happened a few weeks ago. I have to tell you. 
We were in Washington, and I had Jack and Mackenzie with me, and we were sitting in a restaurant called Old Ebbets Grill uh, near the White House. And a family a dad came up and was talking to us and asking about the dog. And I said, well, because I, I try to teach, I try to take every moment when somebody asks a question outside you know, as a teachable moment. Absolutely. Said, well, she's an autism service dog. And he said, oh, we, we've been looking at doing that for my son. Can you come meet my wife? And I'm like, well, of course, because yes. I'm not shy. And so I went and met her, and she said, yes, we've been thinking about this, and I've been reading this blog called Autism Tales. <gasps> and I said, are you kidding? That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best moment ever. Wow. And what was interesting is, yeah, we live in Texas. We just happen to be in Washington. Yep. They live in Canada. Wow. And they just happened to be in Washington driving back to Canada. And I got to meet her son as well. And so hi to Christine and her family if you're listening. Of course. And it just made me feel like we are providing content that's hopefully helpful. And that was our intent. Yeah. So that's how we got there. It's so because you realized what a positive impact it has made on your families and why, you know, and it. If it's that good, why keep it to yourself? That's what I I say all the time. I want to share this stuff with everybody. There's so much goodness amidst the challenges. And I want to engage and educate the people, not in a in-your-face kind of way, but, hey, this is my experience. I just want to share my story kind of thing. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's so wonderful to connect with my autism tribe and in you, because either the more that we can build those connections, the mm-hmm. more we can provide support. And I, I don't know, Erin, if you've talked a little bit about, you, know, you can do it quickly before we get off, about what Bruce has done for Moose, because like you said, she was largely nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jack and Moose are very different, and our whole situation with service dogs is very different. Um, my number one factor for getting him was just keeping her safe and keeping her alive. She's an eloper. Okay. She runs all the time. I'm Bruce's handler for her. She is not capable of handling him, though she can in small doses now. But Yay. Uh, yeah. it was June of last year, and I remember the day I was at a doctor's appointment, and I was able to allow my mom to take her out in public even for about an hour and a half. And that was a big and step, right? We, we couldn't do that. Nobody, you know, she she's very tall. She's almost as tall as I am now at 10 years old. She's wow. hard to handle when she has a meltdown or she runs. She's strong. She's fast. And she has him. And she doesn't have a sense of fear time. when she runs, right? Well, because she's, she's not in her mind. She doesn't know what she's doing. So for a very long time, she was tethered to him. Now, right now, actually, my husband, I just saw him pull in. He went to work for a little while today, but she's been tethered to him downstairs for a while this morning just because I wasn't watching her. I knew, you know, he would bring her to me if she needed something or he felt she did. Sure. Um, but I'm allowed now leave my 10 and a half year old, almost 11 year old downstairs for a period of time. Because you know she's safe. To watch her because he has enriched her life. She is a completely different child. I don't remember the last time she tried to run away. It's been a really long time. But she's verbal. She's, a, I mean, if you know her, she's just, People are like, wow, she's not the same child. Wow. And I've loved her with all of my being, no matter who she is. But I see her, like, her life is better because of this. Yeah. And um, she can connect with peers in a way that she couldn't before. She can live more of a normal life. And that brings her joy. And so can you. I mean, and I think that's a piece of this. Yeah. That peace of mind that you have that you can just go up and take a shower. 
sure. without having yeah. to make sure that your eyes are on her. I mean, that's that's huge. And so, so many neurotypical you know parents with their neurotypical kids don't appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Here. It's just hard to to put yourself in that person's shoes and. To know that, you know, you, you used the word trench, the you know, a while ago. You're in the trenches. And a lot of people, especially for parents or caregivers of people that, you know, of individuals that are not on the spectrum, they just really don't get it. And I mean, you can, you can still be in the trenches as a regular parent, but when you have a special needs child and you have, you're, you're a special needs parent every single day every single minute and to have mm-hmm. this little fur for the rest of your life for the rest of your life and now you have this precious fur baby that's going to take care of your baby you know for you yep. and it's just priceless absolutely there are not enough treats and belly rubs and bones yeah. to, to, to give back what they give to our families sure well, I just Jack. Jack has friends at school. Jack has he, he behaviors at school that he would have that were distancing himself from his peers. Yeah. That he thought I think were driven by need to belong, but actually were annoying. Um, stopped instantly. Wow. He has lunch with kids. He plays in some of the games. He participates. Uh, it, it is life changing, and so he's happy. And he, he within a few weeks about getting McKenzie, I said, "Okay, how are you feeling? How's this working for you?" And he looked at me and he said, "I am not lonely and depressed anymore." Oh, wow! Wow, that just gave me cold chills. Yep. You know, you never want that for your child. And my goodness, I, it sounds it like. Been. That's so amazing. I've, I'm looking into a service dog for Alex myself, and I definitely want to speak with you guys more. And I just want to stress, if anyone has any questions, you know, there are a lot of organizations out there like loyalty service dogs. But if, if they want like some personal experience feedback that you guys have so much experience to share and you are such a pleasure to speak with and so down to earth that, you know, please reach out to, to Carrie and Aaron. You guys are both such a joy and inspiration. And I'm so thankful that you guys both have Mac and Bruce. I would love to meet them someday. Carrie, you have to come over here to Kentucky so we can all meet. I will, I will. But thank you so much for taking time out of your super busy days and just being able to share your stories. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting us. We loved it. If you or your family are thinking about getting a service or therapy dog, perhaps begin by asking yourself these questions. Number one, does your child like dogs? Two, might your child or anyone else in the household have allergies that might be aggravated by a dog? Number three, is your family prepared and ready to take on the long-term commitment and expense of caring for a dog in sickness and in health? And four, are you comfortable handling a dog while caring for your child in public? A service dog training agency such as Assistance Dog International or Loyalty Service Dogs and even our friends at Autism Tales can help you sort through these questions while sharing some personal experiences. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next week.